If you will very carefully read the writing that is published in connection with this podcast, you should be able to see prophets and the work of prophets as used in both the Old and New Testaments. There are quite a few references in the book of Acts to the use of prophets in the New Testament church. We should see by that that prophets do exist in the churches today. Very often, prophets are used to take messages to the ministers of the congregation, also to ministers on radio and television who have done wrong and are doing wrong. One of the callings that I have on my life is the office of a prophet. Shortly after I was born again in 1975, I was transported into heaven twice. Both times the same thing happened to me. I was with God, with Christ, and with the Holy Spirit, and at the time I was in heaven, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God. I did not know what this actually meant, but later I came to realize it was one of the anointings given me by Jesus at that time to do the work of this ministry, and I had two ministry offices to which I'm called, One is apostle and the other is prophet. The prophets are shown very clearly in both the Old and New Testament. God took me to those examples in the Bible to teach me to do the work of a prophet. In 1980, I was put on radio by what I believe to have been the voice of an angel who spoke to me in the night three words as I was sleeping. Now this was like a trumpet blowing in your ear. And the words were Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. KWJS turned out to be call letters to a radio station and within five days of hearing this I was broadcasting on radio on KWJS, and then within a year, I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle, from New York City to Seattle, exhorting the church. I was very, very popular during the early years because God had me speaking messages concerning taking thoughts captive, healing destructive thoughts, work of the Holy Spirit, and how to recognize ideas that are from God. And these messages were very appealing to the churches, and audiences came to my meetings, which I had for the radio audiences in the different cities. From coast to coast, I would go into the city where I was on radio and rent a room, usually at one of the hotels, a meeting room, 
and people would come from the radio audience. The meetings were growing considerably, and by 1982, there were 700 to 2,000 people attending the meetings, which for me was a large group. I had finished a meeting in Seattle and was en route back to Dallas, where I live, when I heard from God these words. The foundation is laid, now we're really going to move. I was quite excited over that. A few days after this, I was speaking at a little church in Hobbs, New Mexico, and en route back to Dallas, I heard from the Holy Spirit the following words. The time is come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Over and over, all the way back to Dallas, I heard this same thing. The time is come for judgment to begin at the house of God. I didn't know what that meant. But about three days later, God began calling certain things to my attention. Things that big-name radio TV ministers were doing and had done that I had heard about and things that were wrong to do. And I knew I had to try to get a message to these ministers. One of them was Jim Baker, who was very, very famous in 1982, he and his wife, Tammy Faye, had a big television program. God told me at that time to send a tape recording to Jim Baker concerning adultery. I did not know Jim Baker was committing adultery at that time, but it came out later that he was committing adultery with a church secretary named Jessica Hahn. She later did a series on Playboy magazine concerning her affair with Jim Baker. As a result of this affair, he and Tammy Faye divorced and Tammy Faye remarried, got cancer, and died. They were also doing a theme park and selling subscriptions to their hotel at their theme park. But it turned out they sold more subscriptions than they had rooms to care for the occupants. So the federal government tried Jim Baker on fraud and there was a very famous scene where he was being removed from a building in handcuffs and put into a car. He was subsequently taken to prison over this. But the message I had for Jim Baker at that time concerned adultery. The name God gave me for this ministry is Jesus Ministries. 
at the top of my letterhead, it has a logo and a printing, Jesus Ministries. I put a cover letter in with the cassette tape, which I sent to Jim Baker. The cover letter said something like this. As a prophet of God, I am sending you a recording which God told me to send to you. And that was addressed to Jim Baker. I received a letter which was supposed to look like a personal letter, but it was obviously a form letter sent by someone in his office. Shockingly, it said, Dear Jesus, they had not taken my name at the bottom of the letter, but had taken the name of the ministry, Jesus, and they thought they were writing to Jesus. And it said, Dear Jesus, thank you for your inspiring message. And Jesus, I want you to know that Tammy Faye and I prayed for you today. Signed, Jim Baker. It was obviously a form letter which the staff was taught to send to people who sent messages. But the staff member got it wrong and put the name Jesus as if he was responding to someone named Jesus. It was so phony, so fake. You've received letters from ministers. You know how phony they can be. They're form letters. The minister, in my opinion, never sees the message you send. The office staff takes care of this problem. It's a terrible thing that goes on today in ministries. Another person that I sent a message to was Jimmy Swaggart, who had radio and television type ministries. Jimmy Swaggart was also a country western singer, and he performed music at his meetings. The Ellison, Michael Ellison Advertising Agency representative that I was with for a very short period of time told me this story about Jimmy Swaggart. He said that Swaggart was one of their clients, and Swaggart had come to them because he was tired of having small numbers of people come to his meetings. When he went into a city, he frequently would have four or 500 people come to the meeting, and he was tired of having those small numbers. So he hired the advertising agency to build up the numbers. The agent who represented me told me, they told Swaggart, it's easy to increase the number of people at your meetings. All you have to do is reduce the amount of time that you preach at the meeting and play gospel music. When he did this, the meeting sizes changed dramatically into the thousands. The message I had that I 
believe was from God for Jimmy Swaggart was stop entertaining the people with music and preach the word of God. However, Swaggart at that time was also committing adultery with a prostitute. He was later find out, found out. But when I sent him the message, this was not public knowledge as it is today. And the message I sent him was simply quit entertaining the people with music and preach the word of God again. He apparently did not get the message as some of the others that I had to speak to did not get messages. So God showed me, present the message, naming him by name on your own radio broadcast, which went coast to coast. With that, these ministers got the message. Their own congregations would deliver the message to them that I was speaking on my radio broadcast. Immediate evidence of Swigert getting the message is they immediately took me off the air of the two stations that Swigert owned, the one in Dallas and the one in Houston. So I knew Swigert had gotten the message. He went on about 10 years later to being found out as having sex with prostitutes. Finally, the Assembly of God Church defrocked Swigert. It didn't mean anything to Swigert. He still had a big television audience. Even after doing the adultery with the prostitutes, he had a big television audience. And as far as I know, he's still broadcasting television even today, which at the time I'm making this podcast, it is the year 2021. And that happened back in 1982. And the disclosure of the prostitutes was somewhere in the period of 1985 and then again in 1990. So it went on over a long period of time. His association, his sexual intercourse with prostitutes. He made one television statement in approximately 1985, where he appeared before his TV audience with tears running down his face, and he said, I have sinned, forgive me. I happened to attend an Assembly of God church meeting during that period of time, and the preacher shockingly said, we should pray for Brother Swaggart. And out of my mouth, in a very soft voice, I said, we should put him out of the church. And the woman sitting in front of me heard it. It was very soft, but she heard it, and she turned and just glared at me. First Corinthians 5, this is what the apostle Paul says to do if a brother is committing fornication or other sins. First Corinthians 5, start at verse 11. Paul says, But now I have written unto you, not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard 
or an extortioner with such a one known out to eat. And Paul says, put them away from among yourselves. Verse 13, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. The assembly of God chose to ignore what Paul said in the Bible and pray for Brother Swaggart and counsel Brother Swaggart. About three years later, he was caught with another prostitute and it became worldwide reporting. At that point in time, the Assembly of God Church defrocked him and put him out of the Assembly of God Church. But they didn't do it the first time he was caught. They didn't follow what Paul said because their own wisdom told them, oh, pray for the person, counsel the person, give him a chance. But he knows evil. He knows this is evil. Everybody in the church knows adultery is evil. They know having sex with prostitutes is evil. You simply do what Paul said in the Bible, which is inspired by God, and put him away from you. Don't have anything to do with him. We had a Bible teacher at Word of Faith who was doing that. I found out about it. I went to him. And I said, I've heard about your girlfriend. And he him and hawed around and tried to evade the subject. And I finally point blank said to him, are you having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend? And he said, of course. And I was so grieved. I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have any more to do with you. I can't come to your Bible class. I can't sit by you during a church service. I can't do anything with you at all. And he responded, that's right. He didn't care. So I've seen it firsthand. You simply do what the Bible says to do, and that is what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 5.11 But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And that's what we do. Sadly, many ministers today are extortioners. They make you feel guilty if you don't give to them. They do things to wring money out of you, and that is extortion. And often they use scripture to try to get you to give them your money. That is extortion. You just simply put them away from you. Don't go to their church again when you find the minister is an extortioner or doing any of these other sins. Please, I encourage you to read this writing that's attached to this podcast where it talks about prophets in the Bible and shows the work of a prophet because it's not at all unusual for a prophet to be shown some sin that a minister is doing 
and that prophet who's shown that has to take it to the minister and deal with him as best he can. One minister in a little town in northern Colorado told me this story. He said he was committing a sin, and he knew it, the whole church knew it. But he said one man came to him and just pointed his finger at him and said, you have to stop this sin. And he said, I think that was a prophet, because that word just cut through me like a sword. One time I was having coffee with a couple of Baptist women, and they began talking to me about another woman in their church group. The pastor was building a new church building, and they said this woman was always so against that which the pastor was doing, and what did I think might be wrong with her? And out of my mouth came the words, maybe she's a prophet. They just gasped. They don't want to hear any more about this. But that's what prophets do. Everybody in the church is going along with something, and that prophet is shuddering because that prophet feels it's wrong. There was a prophet in our church group at Word of Faith. She told me that she went to speak to a little church somewhere in the Dallas area. The pastor and one of the elders had planned to go into business together. And she said that when something was wrong with the situation, God would cause her to have an upset stomach. And when they started talking about that, she had to leave the church building. After that, a month or so later, they went into business together and then ended up in law court suing each other over the business dealing. See, that woman knew this was wrong. That happens to prophets over and over. You're not even aware the story they're telling you is evil until God opens your eyes. There was a very famous woman who told me a story, and I didn't see the evil in this. She told me how she was managing to ship large numbers of boxes of books and Bibles to her own meetings by air freight without paying the airline any money. She said, and these were in the days when you drove up at the curbside and checked your luggage, she said, get a big wad of $1 bills, 15 or 20 or even 50 $1 bills. Roll it up in a wad, and when you get out of the car, let the baggage checker see that roll of bills. She said, it works every time. She said, you can check those boxes of books and Bibles through your baggage without having to pay for them. And she had brought with her 50 or 60 boxes of books and Bibles to the meeting that I was helping her with. I didn't see anything wrong with this. Later, God showed me she is stealing from the airlines to ship her Bibles and books, which she sells at her meetings. And she told me proudly, and I've taught my 12-year-old daughter to do this, and she can do it. That woman became enormously famous. But I didn't see the wrongdoing until God 
open my eyes to see it. It's a terrible thing that's going on. I know Robert Tilton, well, he's one of the people I delivered a message to. He had invited a prophet from Word of Faith to be on his television show. And she called me after the show and was crying. Before they went on camera, Bob said to her, Just one thing, Ava, don't say anything about being a prophet because it's not popular. What God showed me is that Bob killed a prophet when he did that as he stopped her from speaking. I made a tape for him, and he did hear it. And that is telling him that because of what he had done, his house would be left desolate to him. That was in 1982. By 1991, ABC Primetime Live had exposed Robert Tilton. He was soliciting prayer requests from his radio and television audience. He was bringing in $80 million a year from prayer requests. The letters that were sent to Bob were being sent to the church at Farmer's Branch, Texas. They were not opened at Farmer's Branch. They were forwarded to a bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where tellers were assigned to open his mail, deposit the checks, and throw the prayer request into the garbage. This is reported on Wikipedia under Robert Tilton. You can read it in detail. Many horrible things happened to him after I sent him this tape. He and his wife divorced. He married another woman. They divorced. He married another woman. The whole church was torn down in Farmer's Branch, Texas. And a junior ice hockey thing was put up. People in the church were reported as suing Robert Tilton for extortion. It's horrible. All of that happened in around 1990, 1991. I delivered the message to Bob in 1982. God brought me out of that church in 1982, so I didn't know what was going on in the years after I delivered the message until it was reported on ABC News. And he was shown personally by secret camera on an airplane, commercial airplane, and the story unfolded at that time. Today, it's in Wikipedia under Robert Tilton. It's really sad. It's terrible. But if these things are happening in front of your eyes, you just have to turn away from these ministers who do these things. Well, read that writing that I've done about prophets, which is attached to this podcast. That will show you what the Bible says about the work of prophets, both Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.